Okay, thank you. Take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, you probably remember the scripture verse that would be a good support verse for that song that uh, Christy was singing. Remind yourself that in the Corinthian letter, Paul said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I like that phrase, all things become new. And the tense of that is that it continues to become new as we go and as we grow. Mark chapter 4, let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open. We want to look at verses 35 through verse number 41. And also we'll just make uh, some observance, uh, if you would, uh, to those preceding verses as well. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35 through verse 41. The scripture said, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Just for the sake of giving it a title, let me just call uh, again today and title it Till the Storm uh, Passes By. You know, I was thinking as I was reading even then uh, that there is two times that, that I remember in Scripture where uh, there was a, a wind and one time it was caused by the God-man sleeping. Uh, in this particular case, we find Jesus asleep but then there was another opportunity in the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah, you remember. There was a man who was sleeping in the bottom of the ship, uh, and once he was awakened, he said unto them, Throw me overboard, for I'm the reason for this particular uh, event that you're going through. Well, I don't want to compare those two guys, but the reality is that Jesus, the omniscient one, the omnipotent one, uh, is here now, and uh, the scripture tells us that there is a tempest. I think one of the writers says, uh, however we see it here as a storm. What I want you to see with me first of all today is the journey of the ship, the journey of the ship. Let me say before I get too far into this, there's uh, very many lessons that Jesus gives uh, and they are somehow focused in or around the water. Let me remind you of a few. First of all, many of us remember the instance when the disciples were in a boat uh, and the scripture tells us it is at night 
And again, there is some things going on that were not pleasant. Uh, but the Scripture tells us they see this image afar off, uh, and there's this individual walking to them on the water. And you remember that particular instance? We find uh, that not only would Jesus walk on the water in that instance, but also would, would we find there that Peter would walk on the water as well. Ladies and gentlemen, those images, you can almost shut your eyes and automatically see these images of what Jesus gives us. Another instant, Jesus had told His disciples to kick the boat off the shore a little bit. And the Scripture said He used that as a platform or a pulpit, for lack of a better word, and He began to preach to the people on the shore. Now, we find in this particular instance uh, that He calms the sea by His very Word. Uh, he speaks, and the Scripture tells us that the sea stands still. Reminded of that old hymn years ago. I don't know. It's been a long time. But anyway, the writer of that old hymn says uh, uh, in that song there, When the storms of life are raging... Stand by me. Some of you know what these storms can be. Let's look at it if you would. The scripture said in the same day. Anytime I see that in the scripture, what I do is I try to fan back a few verses, okay? First of all, in this passage, I want to look at the entire chapter. And as I look back at this chapter this week, what I discovered is uh, that there is Jesus and His disciples. Uh, they are on uh, that particular endeavor. And the Scripture tells us that Jesus is teaching uh, as He goes. Now, if you know anything about this passage, remind yourself that He has given one of the most famous uh, one of the most famous parables that he gives, and that is the parable of the soil, some would call it. Others call it the parable of the seed. Others call it the parable of the sower. But I think we're very much all in line because what we find is Jesus now talking about the Word there in the larger part of this chapter. In the latter part of the chapter, just prior to teaching this, Jesus talks about uh, the parable there of the mustard seed. Oh, that was always an intriguing passage to me as I was a kid growing up. Why? Because he talks about the smallest of seed, but he talks about it growing into the largest uh, of the trees. Friend, let me tell you, that being a parable, it was not literally just talking about a tree. It was talking about, again, kingdom parables. So when I see this little phrase, in the same day, I saw here that he was teaching from parables. I also see that in some places in a day's work, he would be teaching with miracles as well as every day he would be giving experiences which are daily deliberate experiences of divine uh, intervention. Now as he says here, uh, uh, it is a distant journey, okay? You say, well, hey, preacher, how far is this? Uh, tell me, give me a mental idea. 
Well, at the widest part of the Sea of Galilee, there's been debate, but you could measure it, I'm sure. But just looking at your map in the backside of your Bible, what you could learn there is that the widest part of the Sea of Galilee would be somewhat 7 to 10 miles wide. Now, if you looked at the longest part of the Sea of Galilee, it might be somewhere from 12 to 18 miles long. When I begin to think of a large body of water, I begin to think of oceans. When I think of ships, I begin to think of a cruise ship or, a, or, or one of our carriers for uh, our armed forces. And, and when we begin to equate the word here, ship, with what these guys mostly were riding on, what we discover, it was a small boat compared to those that we see. But I want you to see with me today, it was a distant journey. Now the reason I could say that is there was no outboard motor on this thing. Another reason I could say that is there were not cushioned seats that they were riding on because Jesus now has had a long day Uh, He has got in the boat, uh, and now they're making their journey across the sea. Now, again, Sea of Galilee. The realities of what we find here is Jesus is asleep. Now, wives or women, you know what happens to a man. Call on your faithful recall. What happens to a man after a long day, when he gets in, he sits down in his chair, uh, someone said, I know what happens next, and it's usually his eyes closed pretty quickly, do they not? Well, what happened with Jesus? The Scripture tells us he gets in the boat, surely there are those who have the watch of paddling uh, or using the oars, and now Jesus finds himself asleep in the back part of the boat. However, they're on a distant journey. Secondly, it is a directed journey. You know how I know it's directed? The Scripture tells us, When even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now it doesn't tell me that he's in the widest part of the Sea of Galilee, which most likely they were not. It doesn't tell us that it's three miles or two and a half miles. It just simply says that it is a direct journey. More than likely, if you could get this mental image and you were looking north and, and you could see to the, to the west, you would see a mountain range. Look to the right, the east, and you would see a mountain range there. And the Sea of Galilee down here in the bottom of that And they were now making a distant journey, but a directed journey. But thirdly, it is a deliberate journey. When I think of something deliberate, that simply means it has real meaning. Something deliberate means that I need to really slow down and pay attention. And for that reason, it doesn't tell us what he has planned for the next day on the other side. It doesn't tell us who he's going to meet on the other side. It just simply tells me that as they set out on this journey, they're not expecting anything, the disciples I'm talking about, The only thing they're expecting is to start over here tonight or this evening and tomorrow they're going to wind up over here. And most likely, it has been most likely an excursion of about three to four miles. Well, you say, hey, that would be a leisurely experience. It would be. 
Matter of fact, there could have been some sights on that journey. There could have been some sounds on that journey. Why? Because it could have been that there were some night fishermen out there along the way. Friend, can I ask you, have you saw your life as a journey? Have you came to a point in your life where the starting point was here, you remember it so well, you had given your heart and your life to Jesus, and at that moment you had a brand new start. Liken that, if you would, to these fishermen who are now uh, moving across the Sea of Galilee with their master. And if you remember right, the disciples were on a journey. And that journey had them involved in what Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You probably could have looked all over that boat and not found a net. You probably could have looked all over that boat and not found those fellows looking or smelling like they were that day they began to follow Jesus. But it was the journey of the ship. Second, I want you to notice with me real quickly, not just the journey of the ship, I want you to notice also the anxiety of the storm. It says there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You ever been on something similar? You ever been on a journey like this? Everything started well. You had, you had your plans made, most likely. You had collected everything that would make that a good journey or a quick journey. And somewhere in the midst of that, things changed dramatically. You know what? That's a journey, is it? And that is the journey even of life. The Scripture tells us that these men who were very, I'm sure he just leaves it out, but these men were familiar with the Sea of Galilee. They had been on it many times before knowing Jesus. Those guys knew the effects of a storm. They probably knew how quick that storm could blow up there on that Sea of Galilee. You remember I told you there's a mountain range on the west. There's a mountain range on the east called the Golan Heights. They tell us as those west winds begin to blow, they'll come over that mountain and they'll swoop down on that water and they'll make that water dangerously hard to survive through. Well, that is the picture. And it says there was a great storm there and that storm was causing the ship now to become hazardous. The storm came suddenly. I want you to think about that last thing in your life that really challenged you. Can I tell you something about it? Most likely it was suddenly. Most likely it was unexpectedly. You know what? Many times we think we have prepared for anything that might happen. Oh, think about it. It's vacation season. You have planned your journey. And you know your journey there uh, said, Hey, Mama, get the clothes packed. You know, in the old times, Mama had to pack a lunch. And uh, the reality is you would just set out on that journey. And, there's, and the thought there is that this journey, those guys... Uh, the scripture just said, we're going to show up on the other side tomorrow. I'm in a journey still. I'm on a journey, and so are you. 
And I began to think about this throughout this week of this storm. And yes, they are storms. If you're traveling the highway, you could have said we had a blowout. If you're traveling by air, you could have said, oh, we hit some terrible turbulence. If you're traveling by water, you can see the danger that is there. And they enter a storm. I'm realizing today that some of you could be in a storm. Some of you might have just came out of a storm. Some of us may be heading into a storm. It's amazing that there are storms uh, almost uh, in all of our lives. If you say you haven't had one, uh, I'm just going to tell you, hold on. There'll be one here sooner or later, okay? And everybody faces their storm a little differently. You say, well, why is that, preacher? Because, number one, we have different perspective on storms. Number two, it might be that uh, we have a little bit different, not only perspective, uh, but also persuasion of how to get through the storm. Some of the sudden storms that I've seen in life, uh, maybe it's a financial storm. You say, oh, I'm waiting on that. I want one to dump money all over me. No, friend, I'm talking about a financial storm. I remember uh, hearing the story many times from many different peoples, and they thought that they had everything planned exactly. You know what? They had, they had put their nest egg there, and they were sitting on the nest. And the Scripture tells us uh, we better be careful where we put our riches, but the reality is uh, this thing called the stock market doesn't always... Uh, hold up to what our expectations are. You know, many peoples, they have been involved, and so are many of us, but yet there'd be a financial storm. Some have been in a business storm, have you not? That is that you thought everything was going to work well in that business. Man, you had your plan, and uh, you had involved uh, those uh, who were going to be partially uh, they're involved with you, but yet and still in the midst of that, there came a storm, and all of those plans blew out the window. Yes, there are some who have had a, a marital storm. There are others who've had a, an emotional storm. Some have had a physical storm. Yes, you went to the doctor one day, and the doctor said, Oh, you know, uh, let me look down your throat. And directly he begins to take his hands and those old long fingers and they begin to punch around in your throat. And he then says, Raise your arms. And he begins to feel under your arms. And uh, in a moment he said, You know, I feel something. How long has that been there? And you know what's fixing to happen, don't you? Before you know it, you're in a storm. Now, friend, you say, well, who were you talking about there? I could be talking about me, but I also could be talking about you. Now, I haven't been there like that yet. Yes, maybe some of the expression, you know, uh, but yet and still, I want you to know how quickly a storm can come in our life. I used to say a storm can come as quickly as a phone can ring. Friend, let me just tell you something about the storm. What these guys had going for them is not where they were in the storm, but who they had with them when the storm happened. Now as we look at it, the storm came suddenly. 
The storm came severely as well. And when I think about it coming severely, it was violent, relentless, exacting. You can read more about this storm in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, or Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And what you read there is the perspective of two other of Jesus' disciples there giving their point of view concerning this storm. Does it not amaze you when we begin to talk about the same event and you might have eight or ten people around you and the perspective of that storm can change or the perspective of that story can change accordingly? Well, this is a violent storm. Sometimes we think about the storm of suffering, the hurricane of headache or the tempest of turmoil. And we begin to think, oh my Lord, how can I ever survive this storm? You know, that's the beauty to me of groups. That's the beauty to me of friends. That's the beauty to me of church. Uh, You know why? Because we all have a wealth of experience that we could share with one another of the storms. Some of you are sitting here today, and I've already struck a nerve. I can almost sense it. And the nerve that I've struck is a reminder of a time when you or you and yours were going through a similar storm. I said to you earlier, it is not because of where they were that makes the difference. Why? They were on familiar territory. Well, let me say this. They were on familiar waters. Their boats have been on that sea many times before, but yet and still, this particular instance, the difference is that they had never been on the Sea of Galilee with the man Jesus in the boat with them right in the middle of the storm. Now what do you do? The scripture tells us in verse 38, he, being Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Have you ever wondered if the master might be available? Maybe you've wondered before, if he is available, and I know he is, is he going to give me deliverance through this? Or what is the outcome going to be? Notice the notes there, Jesus was sleeping You know, that's one of the things we take for granted, do we not? And that is uh, when we begin to think about the humanity of Jesus Christ. If you remember, he said he did not have uh, there a beauty rest mattress to rest on. He didn't have a feather pillow to put his head on. Matter of fact, Jesus told the guys uh, on other occasions that the Son of Man did not even have a place to call home. He didn't have a room to call mine. But yet and still, Jesus now is in the bottom back of this boat and he is sleeping. Notice, his calm becomes their concern. Notice, the master does care. However, they begin to uh, maybe think that because he's resting through this, He undoubtedly just doesn't care. His calm became their concern. His wisdom became their wondering. And now Jesus said, Why are you so fearful? 
You know, I think he might, uh, I think he might utter that to you and I some once in a while. What are you afraid of? And he begins then to show how that he is prepared for that moment. Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was summoned. And the scripture says that they awake him. Now, I don't know who had the task of maybe tapping the shoulder. I don't know who might have been the call there on, hey, you wake him up. Oh, no, I'm not going to mess with him. He's resting. He had a long day yesterday. No, none of that stuff came out. It just said, the Scripture speaking to us, that they awake him and say unto him, Master, do you care? There's a third thing, he was sleeping. Second thing, he was summoned. Third thing, he was sufficient. Why? Because verse 39 to 41 show us something that I believe up to this point no one had saw yet from him. You know what it was? The scripture says in verse 41, They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, folks, let me tell you some of what he's done before and after. You know, he could say to a fever, and it would immediately be cooled. He could say to someone who was born without speech and dumb, and they would speak. He could say there, at that place uh, there of the wedding feast, uh, he could say, bring me barrels of water. And he turned them into wine. Notice, he is a limitless master. Some of you are right now depending on God if it's going to get done, aren't we? Let's be honest. We can't do anything without him. You may be going through an experience now, and you're thinking, well, I don't know how I'm going to make this one. I'll tell you how we're going to make them, and that is through Jesus. I like what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know something about a storm that I notice? They never come at opportune times, do they? Why? They just never do. You know, we, we watch weather radar now, so we almost can plan our event to the, to the 15 minutes. Why are we going to have a... We're going to have a little old window of opportunity there. And oh man, for those 10 minutes, we can do something outdoors. Listen, those fellows didn't have radar. Those fellows didn't have the weather channel. Who's that man on the weather channel, Mr. Conturi or whoever with his raincoat on? You know, hey, listen, they just totally were a loss as to be able to see what those tomorrows would hold. But yet they knew now Jesus is in the ship and he's asleep. Friend, can I ask you as we close today, can I ask you why don't we recognize that Jesus is on the boat with us as well? If you belong to him, I promise you, your storm doesn't catch him by surprise. What you are going through today is not an impossible task with Him. Yes, I realize today out of a large group of people like we are and those aren't here and you know we, we seldom ever, ever really think through how, how much a small group of people can be going through at the same time. 
But you know the amazing thing about the Lord is He's always ready if we'll just call upon Him. Would you bow your head with me today? Let me just pray with you. Let me pray for you. Maybe you're here and you say, hey, preacher, you know, uh, Thursday's an important day. Or you may be here and you say, hey, man, tomorrow's a, a big day. And, you know, every day's a big day because our Master is available to meet you where you are and work through the things that you're going through. Trust Jesus. Can I ask you before I pray for you and with you, what is it that you need to lay at His feet today? See, He's waiting on you as He waits on me to be faithful, to call upon Him. Father, this group of people today, if I could only see in their minds and their hearts, there's needs today among us. But yet, Lord, I also know that that need is met today even before we call out unto you because, Lord, you are on board with us. Lord, help us. Open up our hearts and minds to other people. And, Lord, allow us to carry their burden with them and fulfill the law of Christ. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.